This is All About Home Construction, and here's your hosts, Terry Ganelbeck and Randy Blake. Hold up, hold up. This is going to be a show from the archives. That's reunion, and I appreciate all the listeners uh, tolerating that. It was It's a fun thing, and I know some people were checking out the pictures on the Facebook page. Uh, some pretty cool stuff. Well, you know what? History. Right? That's, uh, it's huge, right? Well, you know, uh, even though a lot of that farming, a lot of it went into the construction industry right. too. Right. You know, I didn't uh, get didn't really get to talk about it, but we, we've talked about it in the past, and you know, some of the shingle mills they have down there, where you uh, you know you you can take your your square blocks and, and cut them out and make shingles, uh, whether it's cedar or oak or, or whatever. You know. Yeah, most of them was uh, made out of white oak. Uh, yeah, around in this uh, part. Uh, yes. Yeah, in this this part of the country, they were. Um, you know, and, and, but it's it's the same technology that you use today. You know, essentially, it's it's just a slower machine, but uh, it, it's pretty cool. It's a it's like a like an automatic machine. Well, you know, year before last, out here mm-hmm. on four twenty one, that guy. Yep, and I believe they'll have that out. And, you know that that I, sh- I should have mentioned this before, but uh, that local high country crank up is going on at the end of the month, the twenty sixth, twenty seventh, and twenty eighth of uh, of this month. So you can see some of that stuff locally here uh, at the end of the month too, and and. I know those people are uh, always have put on a good show, and they'll they'll have a good good turnout, and uh, hopefully that that single shingle machine or shingle mill will be be out there this year, and uh, that that's a pretty cool thing too because it's it's a local piece, and and my understanding of it is uh, a local family you know owns it, and, and it was copied, uh, in in other words, a local gentleman built it years ago. You know, it was like the grandfather, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it built that, and uh, so that yeah, that's that's a pretty cool piece of history that ties right here to the high country um but but that that's a cool piece too uh, but you know i mean that's the thing there, there's so much uh like i said we're, we're talking about the farming equipment but so much does tie into it uh, whether it's the sawmill or the shingle mill or uh, you know the wood splitters and stuff like that i mean all that is uh made its way into the housing industry well uh getting to that shingle i got to watch uh on a pbs one time them showing how to make cedar shakes mm-hmm. and uh and they were doing it in canada the only difference is this guy was putting it on and the machine was cutting it remember yep yeah well this in here the guy was taking a square block and the blade was actually a an angle blade right so and he pushed it remember the old old uh saws push saws where they used to put the slabs in right for the wood stoves well, that's what it looked like. The that's only cool. difference was instead of having a straight saw, it had a curved blade, so it cut it at an angle every time uh, okay. he pushed it through. Mm-hmm. So, yep, he actually indexed it himself and pushed it in by hand to cut it. That's and they neat. were required to do so many squares a day with that machine. Huh. That's cool. Well, I mean, you think about that technology-wise. I mean, before that, the shingles, you every all your wood shingles were made with a fro, uh, you know, and you had to split it yourself and. Yep. Um, that, and of course, that's where you led to the different thicknesses. I mean, you could. I'm sure the the more experience you had, the better off you were as far as getting them even. But still, even then, you're kind of subject to what the grain does and how it splits. Correct. And how so, the angle of the flow yep. is. Yep. And so, how how fast you can swing that wooden mount. Right. <laughs> Pop it down exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, you know, one thing I saw, and if if time was no uh, no no issue, if I had all the time in the world. Uh, one thing I want to do, and I, I think I've mentioned it before, but that's uh, build a lathe, and uh, you know, like the hand-powered, uh, the spring pole lathe. 
Yeah. And I uh, saw one of those run. That, that's cool. Um, but but just to see some of that stuff in you, and then then the the hort, you know, where they you carve out you know bowls or you carve out knives and stuff uh, using uh, some draw knives and stuff like that. That's all. That's a whole. It's it's an art, you know. Um, it's it's cool to see. It uh, I don't know, you know, the old technology. Some of it was quite accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was totally amazing how they did it. Sure. And uh, but that's what makes everything change. Yep. Speed, production. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, just think if we all had to saw down trees with a crosscut. <laughs> Like they had to do the yep. the big cedar trees out west, or an axe, mm-hmm. you know, chop it down. Could you imagine how the sawyers was keeping right? their uh, axes sharp? Yep. Yeah. Well, we kind of joke about it too, you know. Even today, uh, and I'm sure some of our listeners, you know, if we have anyone that's in the logging industry, uh, you, you buy a brand new chain for your chainsaw. You know, and many of us just throw it on the chain and go on, you know, on the on the saw and and take off. But uh, a lot of these professional guys that do this for a living, that's not even a sharp chain, a brand new chain. You know, uh, I know quite a few of that will uh, take the a brand new chain and fire it up on the, you know, and, and sharpen it up themselves before they they even turn it on. Huh. That's because uh, it's ground chain, right? Uh, but you know what I mean. It, it's uh, that is an art all in itself. You know, and and and. Uh, getting the pitch right and getting the angles right on that and uh you know it, it's cool to see it, again it, it kind of goes and um the difference in, in doing it every day and and yeah, just doing, doing it, it once in a while cutting yeah. firewood exactly um so yeah that, that that's it's cool to see but uh just the way things change in technology you know I, one of the cool things that i that i saw uh was that they had a little blacksmith shop set up and uh, last week they were working on building a, a wheel for a wagon apparently this wagon had been in the family for so long and it was a yard ornament and and finally they talked them into to using it and restoring it and they took they were taking the wheel off of the the wagon and the hub itself was was in good shape that but the spokes and everything was pretty doughty and pretty rotten and so they were they were replacing that and just to see them fit that in and then uh, they were, i didn't get to see it because i didn't, didn't go back over but they're putting the metal band on the outside, but just see them to build those spokes and and fit them into the hub, you know, and and they, and they were hand carved. I mean, they were they were they were carving them out in it. And that's reason they called them wheel rods. Right, that's it. I mean, maybe you know, but those things, I mean, they look like a factory fit, you know, like you'd expect to go to the store and buy today. So it's pretty cool. Well, old technology. That's it. And uh, matter of fact, PBS had a special here a while back on a. Wheel rot in North yeah. Carolina, down around Asheville. Yeah. And they were showing how they fit that, how they welded it. Yeah. Uh, now, he now on the PBS special, they welded it by hand. Okay. You know, with the, the borax. Right. And beating it. Okay. And lapping it together. But he said, you know, we're doing that just sure. to show y'all yeah. how we used to do it. But now we use electric welder. Sure. But uh, what truly amazed me was is his tools that he used. To measure it, you know, and uh, believe it or not, it was just a string. <laughs> Not cool. But ever everything else, right? The radiuses was cut out off a jig and everything else. And uh, well, just to watch them bend that wood. You know, anybody that's uh, that listens out there that's uh, done any kind of carpentry work or any kind of woodworking. Uh, that you know that it's it's not easy to bend wood, and and it takes special equipment, it takes special knowledge uh, to get that to 
to bend right and not split and not crack. Correct. Uh, you and, know, and the right wood to bend. Right. Yeah. And, and, and inside of that, you know, I mean, the right piece of wood to bend too, because uh, just because it's a maybe some kind of oak doesn't mean it's going to bend. You know, you could get a piece off of this tree, a piece off that tree, and uh, just just knowing how to read that grain, I think, is it's kind of important too. Correct. So. Uh, I had a customer ask me a question the other day about his deck boards turning up. And I said, well, did you look the way the grain runs yeah. on your deck? And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, a lot of trees are cut so young now that you have to turn the heart down. Yeah. And I said, the only time we ever turn the heart up is uh, uh, if it's got a bark edge on it. Right. Something that you know is going to pull up yeah. eventually. And uh and what I mean by the heart is, is the arc of the wood. Right. You know, you want it as flat as possible, and if you turn the, the heart up, you've got smaller pieces sticking up. Exactly. So look at the end of the board, you know, the cutoff end, uh, and you can kind of read how that grain looks. Uh, makes a difference. And it certainly does. Uh, like my daddy used to talk about when tw- tree the lumber first come out, we started using this pond rod because mm-hmm. it all weights much heavy. Yep. But I actually yeah. feel like it's treated better than it is now. Well, you knew it had some stuff in it, that's for sure. So, all about home construction. We'll come right back right after this. Thanks for listening to us. Obviously, by listening to this podcast, you see the value of All About Home Construction. Well, by joining our listener supporter community, you're not just tuning in. You're standing with us as we are able to support and fuel our passions of the construction industry. As a listener supporter, you'll enjoy exclusive perks, including hearing your name or maybe even your business name on our show. So please go to our Spotify website. The link will be in the show notes and join. You can join for as little as as $1, one-time fee, $1 a month, $5 a month, whatever you think you can afford, every single penny helps to keep this show going as we can continue to grow and do lots more things. Thanks a lot. And again, more importantly, thank you for listening to this. That's right. All about home construction here on WATA. Give us a call today, 262 262- one five six seven. Love to put you right on the air if you have any questions or concerns or comments or uh, maybe you got something going on project wise. We like to hear about those. It's always fun to hear about projects and talk about them. So, Correct. Uh, got to talk a little bit there. I got to do a little uh, tile work last week uh, before I went down to Denton and uh, mom and dad. So that's always that's fun. That's a, first I had done of that type of tile where it kind of locks together. It's can't really describe it's like large panels that lock together and uh yeah it worked out it, it covered a lot of square feet in a lot of, little bit of time so. but i had to go around a fireplace and that's never fun oh. the rock fireplace the rock actually uh it's kind of cool a cool little story when they built the house mom and dad uh, they built it around the same time that, uh, interstate 77 was being built where it goes right up through a uh, fancy gap like through the inter- you know from north carolina into virginia it literally goes up the mountain there and uh they had bought the 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 state i guess or i guess it was the state um kind of bought or rented out on just whatever do you want to call it uh, a field from some people because that's where they were putting all the the rock that they blasted out you know? yeah and uh, mom and dad knew that or mom and grandma's anyway knew the people that had, had the land you know and so then they were done with 77 before they covered up the with dirt they went over there and got all the rock they wanted and uh, got some nice rock 
because they could pick and choose and yeah and get pieces that, that they wanted so Felt anyway like you should let everybody cut firewood on yep. the side of the road to stay yep. in before they but, decide to start selling it that's it so that, anyway that that's that's just a short little story for you but uh talking a little bit about wood grain and uh wood a little bit randy you know i was uh, talking to some people this week about staining wood uh, of course doing wood floors and i stained my fair share of board feet of uh of wood and um you know, it, it's like kind of like you were talking about with the the crowns and the grains and stuff like that. You know, every wood is a little bit different when it comes to to putting that stain on it. Yeah, and uh, this predicament, it's not a predicament, but just I like to know how you're gonna match those two pine and oak. Right. I, so I was telling him off the air. I was looking at a floor, um, and one's a pine floor, and the in the living room is is a oak, and the dining room's a pine floor, and. Uh, they, they do they take they take the stain different color um it, it's hard to match up i think you got to play with the stain just a little bit uh you know and it depends on the, the the color i mean the floor itself you know some some pine floors will have a little bit of a red tint into it so when you some put have some, a yellow. And some have a yellow so when you yeah so when you when you go add stain to it you have to uh you kind of you know sometimes you have to drop a uh, a couple of little drops of this and a couple of little drops of that to, to, to kind of help blend it in and match it in. In other words, I've uh, let's just say like a, a golden oak. You know that. Well, for, first of all, when you start when you start talking about stains, you know, and, and every brand has their own names and this and that. But uh, Minwax seems to be the the more popular one. It's the one I like to use, uh, especially for floors. Um, and, and they all again, they all you know, there's different brands, and you you can. You can make different arguments for each, but uh, that golden oak tends to be uh, kind of the, the, I don't want to say the most popular color you see around, but uh, I would say a lot of people have it in their house, you know, whether it's uh, floors or, or furniture. Something close uh, to an actual yeah, though. Yeah, exactly. So a golden oak is going to be uh, really a, the, the, the closest thing to natural, but still giving it a uniform color. You know, in other words, the, the it, you, they make a natural stain that helps blend things. But uh, as far as adding dyes to it, you know, have you, you ever had to do that? Add the dyes? Yes, I have. Or I've messed blend, with the blend. blend. Usually, what I'll so what I'll end up doing is, is saying I'll, I'll take like a, uh, and again, there's no science to it. Sometimes you got to put it a, literally as a drop of this, literally as a drop of that. But you know, take a say like out of a gallon of of uh, well, well, we'll bring it down to to more of a. Uh, a scale that a lot of listeners will use and then you like say you take a, a quart uh, of uh golden oak and you pour it in a little bucket and, and you may have to put uh, a few ounces of like a, a provincial or an early american it's a little bit darker just to give it a tad more shade of, of color into that um but it's, it's a lot of trial and error a lot of samples you know doing the little, little touches spots here and touch spots there um but we now that gets you from a floor finisher into an artist. It, it really does. I mean, it, it, there's there's some stuff. Uh, one of my favorite floors I ever did years and years ago um, was a pine floor, and we I added some. Uh, it, it was kind of like a, a mixed recipe uh, of various colors. Some provincial, provincial um, what do they call that? Provincial pine. I have to. I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, a colonial. They have like a colonial. Well, I don't even remember the name of it now. But anyway. I used like four different uh, colors and, and blended them together and stained that floor. And it had this uh, pinkish, reddish look, almost looked like a heart pine floor. Now, the grain didn't, but color-wise. Wow. Uh, it looked like it. I always enjoyed the way that floor turned out. Uh, but 
but then you know when when you start talking about grain, you know, going back to that, um, when you're when you're staining anything, and again, this the same technology, same ideas applies to, uh, you know, a kitchen table or a a, a desk, you know, you name it. I mean, you know, all the way to a wood floor. I mean, the, the staining wood's the same, but, um, you know, when you deal with like a pine or some of the grains, some of the, the woods that have different types of grains like that, that has more open grains, uh, your your alders, your uh, your maple, maple's really bad for it, and it's they don't take the grain even or the stain rather even, um, so it I gets heard blotchy. That about about yeah. maple, yeah, it, it, and if you're not careful, it gets a real blotchy look to it. Where you know you now is that because of like the bird eye, bird's eye? In that it? that doesn't help. Um, that that's part of it. It's just, but it has something to do with the way the grain kind of soaks up the the stain and so when you put it down and if you're not careful and, and you can do this with oak too and you know make it splotchy i mean it's why it's important to wipe it off but it it, it takes it more uniform but that's why they have stuff like uh pre-stains and wood conditioners uh, if you ever see those um and so you what you'll do is you put those on a, a pre-stain or a wood conditioner first and uh, then come back after that's dried and, and stain it and that does help with uh with getting it more even uh, less blotchy. now let me ask you a question now on your floors you know back in the 60s and 70s you know they always wanted us to uh put sand and seal on right on anything that we urethaned mm -hmm. you know and then you had you put the sand and seal on it and you know you had to take steel wool and steel wool right. down yep. and then you could urethane it yep and it left you know it was a two coat process right but you know now they won't guarantee the urethanes if you put the sand and seal on right it it goes. Do you know the reason for that? I don't. I think it. I think it goes back to the companies wanting their own products, because uh, some some wood floor companies do make a sand and still a sealer still. Do they? Uh, that, that that you put down and it's uh, anymore that they, they kind of mask it as a, a quick drying uh, sealer, a quick drying polyurethane, um, but. Well, the sand and seal within an hour, you can yeah. you can go back and yeah. work. And, and I've done that. And uh, the reason I don't anymore is expense. I mean, when the VOC laws changed, it, it's harder to get now. Um, used to get lacquer sand and sealers, yeah, uh, which worked great. But lacquer in itself is not a very safe product. You know, I mean, it's very flammable. And so, if you're not careful, you can uh, you can really get hurt on that. You well, know, it'll actually make you pretty high too. It will. It will. Yeah. There's. You definitely got to wear a mask on that one. Um, and the, but the, well, I'm trying to remember the the name. That it, it's a, a denatured alcohol based uh, sealer. It's a universal sealer is what I use. Uh, and it's uh, it, it, it's some good products. It's like a de waxed shellac. Uh, is is the way it is, you know. So shellac's made from bugs. It has this little waxy stuff in it, uh, and I don't know what the process is to make it de-waxed, but it's a de-wax shellac, and you can clean it and Never cut heard it. With, of it. Clean it and cut it with uh, denatured alcohol, um, and you can buy it. You used to could buy it at like Lowe's and, and places like that. Uh, again, it's harder to get than it used to be. You know, it, it's I don't know why, it, uh, but I used to get it. It was uh, Bullseye and Zinzer are actually the same companies uh the bullseye well, parks and Sinsor, why, then. um but they uh <laughs> no 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 i was thinking about something else <laughs> but they um you know and but they're the same companies and they both had a universal sand and sealer uh and but you had to be careful because if you weren't paying attention you'd grab the the regular shellac instead of the de-waxed and that was the difference like especially okay. if you're going over with, with polyurethane I, I really 
uh, pushed to my painters to use the Zinser Bullseye Primer. Right. And uh, I know it doesn't have anything to do with floors, but the reason I like it is it's a water-based yep. primer. But when it dries, like even on right. exterior stuff, you can't cut it off with a pressure washer. Yeah. But yeah, they're they're uh, that stuff. It was a it's a it was a company that was yeah. built in the commercial field. Yeah. And, and they uh, like I said, so there's like and I don't remember it was Zinser Bullseye, and they had a, another company that another label they put out uh, for flooring stuff, and uh, you'd buy five gallon buckets full of it. You know, um, but it, it it's good stuff, but. Again, I, the reason I stopped using it, well, a couple of reasons. Uh, the biggest thing is expense. You know, it, it, it jumped up from uh, $20 something a gallon to $60, $80 a gallon. Um, and then, two, you know, it's just kind of like what we've, we've mentioned before about uh, your shingles or when you do putting in a window, you know, you always do it to factory specs. But whatever right. that company says is what you do. Um, and, and so when I'm, when I'm putting finish down, I have to stick with whatever they say. So whatever finish, you know, whatever final finish I'm using, uh, whether it's a polyurethane or a, a water base, uh, I try to stick with whatever they recommend. That way, if anything ever did happen, uh, they couldn't say I didn't follow their directions, essentially. Um, and so when you go back to the water base, you know, you, again, I, I just kind of stick with the line. If, if I'm using a basic coating uh, brand, I'm going to stick with that. If I'm using a boner brand, I'm going to stick with their line, you know. And, and, Correct. And that's sort of why I shot away from it. Um, but the cool thing about that D-Wax shellac is you could actually use it with water base and oil-based oil base. Again, so you just had to make sure it dried properly. Uh, but, it you know, bond both. But, it, but it would work for both. And so that was that was cool because it dries to the touch, especially you know, especially if you did it for woodworking projects, 15, 30 minutes is dry. You know, you'd be, you, you were doing a little project and had it outside in the garage or something, you know, where air was hitting it, it'd be dry in 15, 30 minutes, uh, which was kind of like that, that lacquer-based stuff that, you know, was used years ago. Um, it'd dry in you know, 30 minutes to an hour, which makes a big difference when you're waiting on paint Never to dry. Never used it. So uh, that lacquer, you know, it, it's cool stuff in, in, in terms of how it worked. It looked good, but the dangers with it was kind of why I think a lot of people stopped using it. Um, you know, and, and that was kind of the, the furniture industry. And they, and they may still use it. I don't, I don't know, but I know for a long time. I think all that, uh, they've got a right. good water-based urethane right. because they can spray it and it doesn't run. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of the furniture factories back uh, when I was growing up and before the 80s, you know. Yes, uh, it was lacquer. It was lacquer. And, and uh, it, it's it, it's a good product, and it, but, you know, it, it's just a safety issue now. And, uh, and, and I say that because it's so flammable. Um, you know, doing wood floors, I, I know – I've read a bunch of things, and especially in the '90s, it seems like uh, there there were a lot of incidences. Uh, the way I understand it, where especially in these bigger cities, so you have an apartment building, or, like you know, a big apartment complex, and sanding the floors and and, and recoating them and putting putting some kind of lacquer based finish on it, and uh, a water heater or something kick yeah, in, yes. and, 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 yeah, Fumes. yeah, and so you got that, you got a now you got a spark and a flame, and boom, you know, it, it turned basically a bomb. I mean, you know, all that. All those fumes just just ignite. So, I can see that because that's like I said, the first time yeah. I ever helped. Yeah. Put any lacquer down on the floor. I was about fifteen. They said you'll be all right till you go outside and get a breath of yep. fresh air. And I said, What do you mean? I said, Well, it doesn't. You really don't feel any of the effects of the lacquer while you're putting it yep. down. It's about but when you get a breath of fresh air, you you have realize. A buzz. Yeah. You realize you you kind of wonder why you're hungry, huh? 
<laughs> no, I wasn't hungry, but <laughs> I got more of a headache. Said all about home construction. We'll be right back right after this. Calling all hungry heroes. It's time to fuel up for the day at the VFW's all-you-can-eat breakfast. That's right. Every first Saturday of the month, from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m., you can enjoy a heaping helping of crispy bacon, juicy sausage, perfectly cooked eggs, golden hash browns, biscuits and gravy, and so much more, only for $15. Whether you're a veteran, a family member, or just a friend of the VFW, you're welcome to join us for this delicious tradition. Come share stories, laughter, and good company while you fill your plate with all your breakfast favorites. Don't miss out on the VFW's all-you-can-eat breakfast every first Saturday month from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. See you there. That's right. All about home construction here on WATA. Give us a call, 262-1567. Love to put you right on the air. And uh, happy Saturday to you guys. Thanks for listening to us. And, uh, talking a little bit about wood and wood grains and stuff. And um, you know, One thing I wanted to mention, too, Randy, while we were talking about that is when you're applying it, I know it looks cool on a commercial to put it on with a brush, and sometimes you need a brush to get inside of corners, but the best way to apply any kind of stain is, is wipe it on, wipe it off. Just like the Karate Kid, wipe on, wipe off. Hmm. Now, uh, do you, now, do you ever put your stain on with your lamb's wool? I have. I, I, I got more control of if I just get on my knees and use the rag. And just do, do it. Um, I've actually, I mean, I'm talking about floors, I've actually put it on with a buffer. Uh, you know, the big 20-inch buffer I've got that I use to final sand and sand it between the coats. Um, I've actually uh, put a, a, it's not even an abrasive pad, it's just, just a big white pad on it, you know, that's soft. Um, and and, and put, put it on that way. Down. And put the stain on. Now, do you still have to wipe it off? Yep, so what you would do, it, you'd basically pour a little stain out and, and, and buff over it. And that spreads it out and, and, of course, soaks it up inside the the thing. And this, you're going to hit that spot, uh, and you're going to kind of work your way down, but then you're going to go back over with a dry, essentially a dry um, uh, uh, pad. You're going to go back over and and, re, and kind of hit it again and rewipe it off. Um, took a little took a little experience. You know, I mean, I wouldn't recommend this. Um, and to me, the advantage was in a big room, in a smaller, even like a bedroom size. Uh, I was doing more overlapping and, and going back. I don't think it really saved me time. Of course, it saved me from getting on my knees. I mean, which is a big deal. Um, well, I, make sure your knees work. Well, that's the thing, and, and you know, and, and that I guess that's the advantage. But uh, when when it's all said and done, it was great. But it took a while to get used to it and to get it even. Um, but once I got it, it, it worked great. But it, to me, it was you know I'm still getting the very you know the very ends the inch two away from the wall and the corners uh, by my hands and stuff. That's why I'm saying in a bigger room, uh, it works great. In, a, in an average size bedroom, it didn't save me any time. Uh, it didn't give me any better results. That's why I didn't use it. But, but I mean, it works. It there works. you go. Getting back to the threshold right. reunion. Yep. You were trying to make it do faster with it, new technology. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, it just didn't work the same. But, uh, you know, but again, uh, go back. And, and the, uh, the same thing applies if you're doing a project right now. You know, and, and uh, when you're sanding something down, and go back and uh, putting some any kind of stain, especially the darker colors, uh, just because they tend to show more. Um, wipe it on. They do show mistakes. Wipe, yeah, that. wipe it on. Wipe it off. So, 
Uh, you know, the number one thing, too, before you even get to that point is the prep work. Uh, again, it's sanded down. And, um, and again, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, a lot of these, a lot of, a lot of our listeners will, uh, can relate, you know, if, if they've ever sanded something, maybe use a little orbital sander uh, to go onto it. Uh, it leaves a little, almost little J hooks in the wood, uh, the little scratches that the yeah. sandpaper leaves. Um, just, just make sure you get those out and sand it because the darker you go, the more they show. The, um, new, what about the new sanding blocks? You know, it's been out for about the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they work good. Because, uh, you yeah. know, you get them in different grits. Different grits. Like, yeah. They just don't seem to load up and fail like sandpaper. Exactly. Um, you know, but I think, and, and I've kind of, this is kind of my own thinking here. Uh, and that is, I wonder if part of why they don't do that is because you're not applying as much pressure to them. In other words, they're not sanding well, as much as. Conform to your right. trim that you right. need. Well, a um, lot of trim today is sanding. You know, when it's coming out, yep. it's uh, done pretty It's deep. planed and sanded already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, but I will say, too, and, and, and again, this is very important for listeners, and that is if you sand a spot. So let's say, let's go back to that trim. Let's say I'm putting a piece of trim on the door uh, frame, you know, trimming it out, and maybe I got a little nick or a little little scratch or maybe my pencil mark or something showing. And so I go to, to sand that little three-inch you know, piece off. Let's just, just take the corner of it of the piece, and and I'm sanding that little piece off. If I'm not careful and and blend it right, when I put put stain on that, it's going to show uh, a little bit of a patch looking job where where it's Correct. sanded. And uh, you know, we have a especially with beginners. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be going well. Yeah, I made that mistake. I got that little bit of glue there, and I'll sand it off right. later. And I said, No, you don't, because once you leave it on there and then you sand yep. it. Now it won't match. Exactly. Well, what do you mean? I said you can take. And the reason I get back, get to the glue is, is because trim is uh, a lot of trim we get today doesn't even come from the United States. Right. It comes from South America, and it's I don't know. It's just not dried as good, or it is dried as good when it's shipped, and then it's standing in the building supply, and it rains outside, and it goes from about a six percent moisture content to about a nineteen percent right. yeah. moisture content. And being flooring, you always let your materials acclimate yep. to the room. But then, the, you know, pine's a little different than hardwoods right. because it'll shrink faster. And so we we have a tendency to want to glue everything together, mm-hmm. even shoe mold. And people go, oh, golly, right. it takes a little more time. What the point of it is, is you got to have it to bond. If it doesn't right. bond, then... It will come apart. Exactly. It, it will get a crack in it, yeah. not uh, because of shrinkage. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but again, you know, and and glue is a little bit different. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second. But if you know, it can be just a, a little, like I said, a little scratch that you've sanded out. Uh, you've opened when you hit that sanded paper to it. You've opened that grain up differently than Correct. what the rest of it is. That's and, right. and so when you go to stain it, it and it. A patch is, is kind of the best word I can use to describe it on the radio, and it, you know it'd be typically a lighter spot. Uh, it could be a darker spot if the, if you're using a darker stain where it soaks in. So the the catch is that you still. I mean, I know you still got to sand those out. You know, I'm, I'm thinking like a little nick or something. You got to sand that out. Uh, but take the sandpaper and and lightly run it longer. You know, and and, and run Leather. down the whole piece. It's not going to hurt you. You know, get on out. Uh, get on down to about a 250 grit. Right. Yep. Uh, you know, everybody wants to go with about 100, 120. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, 
it's awful fine grit that they right. sand this material with. Yep. Well, that's the thing. You know, when, when I'm talking about a wood floor, you know, typically uh, 120 is about the highest grit I'll end up going on. But a floor is a little bit different because I want that to be open uh, so that that, that finish can sit down in it and because you're you're walking on it you're, you're rubbing on it every day correct uh you know and but like you said when, you, when you're doing trim and stuff uh 200 250 uh even 300 uh will, works works or, great uh getting back to the sand and sailor when we used to yep uh we used to use thousand mm-hmm. uh, steel wool steel wool yeah do not though do not use a steel wool if you're using a water-based finish don't use a steel wool because what'll happen is you'll get little bitty pieces of steel wool and, and you may not even notice them, may not see them. Until later on. But when that water, because the steel wool will rust, as you know, uh, with just a little bit of moisture. And, and when so when you start adding a water-based finish onto that, uh, it'll start to rust and it'll leave a, a rust color. And another color. thing about steel wool, too, is always come back behind it with a denatured alcohol or yep. something like that. To clean it. That will yeah. uh, wipe it off real and not right. bar your finish. Yeah. Uh, that That's it. And... Uh, when, you, when you're talking about stain, though, there's really just a rag in between. Um, unless there's something weird happened, like you, you got spilled some dust or something on it. I mean, typically you're you're not going to want to touch it until you put the the finish on it, because the stain will anything you do to it will will kind of change that color to it, and so you'll get that that patched Hard look. To blend. Yeah, and, and so uh, typically you you whatever mistakes you have into it, once you put the stain on it. There's no fixing it. You're going to have to redo the whole thing. Uh, and that's a broad statement I just made. I mean, there's ways around that. But generally speaking, if you're not careful, it won't blend right. Uh, so, you know, once you put the stain on it, go ahead and put the finish on it. Put one coat. And a lot of times you can touch things up easier after it has a coat on it than just the stain. Yeah. But uh, we're going back to what you were saying, though, about glue. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I think I've told you about a, a floor I did one time, and I came in. Painter had left his drop cloth there. And it was the only thing in the house, which is kind of odd to me. You know, this big drop cloth laying in the middle of the floor. And I go to move it, and you could tell he dumped a whole probably five-gallon bucket of paint on your floor. On the floor. And that's why he covered it up. You know, he was trying to get out of there and go home. And uh, so, but even then, like once it sanded, I sanded all the, the, the paint off. But once... It, once it was there, you know, like it left this shadow of, and it, like the residue, if you will, uh, of, of even though it's gone, even yeah. though it's gone, it's it, it, it meant it was in that green. And so glue sort of the same way, you know, you don't, you may not see it. And that's, that's what makes sand and wood so tricky as uh, you may not see it, but it's deep in that green. You will see uh, it as it, soon as yep. you put the urethane yep, on so it or the stain, the because stain. anywhere there's a glue. Yep. Now, uh, the wood will not take a stain with right. glue. Right. But it will uh, allow urethane to cover it yep. up and it'll shine like a new yep. penny one. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, just be careful. Uh, make sure you sand it all out if you have to. So, All about home construction. We'll be right back right after this. Thanks for listening. Are you looking for a sawmill dealership that can provide you with the quality equipment you need to get the job done? Look no further than Blue Ridge Sawmills. We offer the full line of Hudson Sawmills and sawmill and equipment. From portable sawmills to skidding winches. At Blue Ridge Sawmills, we understand that every project is different, which is why we offer a wide range of sawmilling services. We can help you from everything from finding the right mill for your farm, hobby, or even your business. We also offer a variety of sawmilling supplies, such as blades, 
blades and debarkers so you can get everything you need in one place. If you're looking for a sawmill dealership that can provide you with the quality equipment and the service you need, then come to Blue Ridge Sawmills. We're here to help you get the job done. Call or visit our Cana, Virginia store at 276-755-3833 or our Asheboro, North Carolina location at 336-964-8304. That's right, all about home construction on WATA. Thanks for listening to us, and happy Saturday to you guys. And uh, yeah, It's almost time to wrap things up, but um, well, you know, hopefully that'll help some people out doing some projects, some summer projects, and big or small, right? Correct. And uh, you always always got to stain wood or, or put some finish on wood. And, uh, so, well, One thing I do do is I do use that exterior glue, mm-hmm. but it's still a water-based glue when I put right. my trim together. And the reason for that is is because of children, right? Spilling drinks, spilling and something like on that. it. Uh, Was it that? That's uh, so they make, I guess, like tight bond. Uh, you know, and each brand has their own version, yeah. but they got like one, a one, yellow, and a two, and a three. Yeah, uh, I agree. I always jump up to the to the middle, and if you will, that and like you said, it kind of takes the water. Um, and keep a wet rag with you yep. when you put it together. Uh, well, that's another thing too. You know, we didn't talk about, but if you're putting finish on it, and you put Water, let's so say you just have a damp rag, like you said, you wipe that off, uh, let it dry. Obviously, you let Correct. it dry all the way, but also, if you're not careful, so when you're sanding it, just, just kind of think about this when you're sanding things down, you're closing off that grain, the sandpaper is closing the top of that grain off. When you hit that water to it, it opens the grain back up, correct? Which is a good thing sometimes. But if a damp you, rag, what damp? Now, not a wet rag, right. but a damp rag. Now, uh, uh, th- now there's a difference. If you've already got your trim stained, you know, and you glue it, then it'll it'll wipe off real yep. easy. Yep. You know, and it won't affect it. Then the guy can come back and urethane it pretty right. easy. Uh, but we've also had painters no, go ahead and put your trim down. We'll come back behind you and we'll stain everything and we'll urethane. Yeah. Well, either way you go, you still got to keep the rag with yeah. you. Uh, regardless of coping your joints, you know, 45 or coping, which is another story, which is a craftsman, <laughs> which is a, a beginner, you know, is, uh, oh, we, I still use the glue, mm-hmm. but I still keep a damp rag right. to wipe everything off. Yeah. Uh, even a Q-tip, um, you know, you got to get it all. Right. If you squeeze it out, you got to get it. Yeah. And a lot of times when you take your finger and push in, you don't have enough rag there to go ahead and wipe all the way tied into the corner. Right. It yeah. doesn't quite get it on. And like you said, and, and obviously that, you know, like you said, it doesn't take the stain. Uh, the darker the color you go, the more obvious that's going to be. Correct. Uh, you know, if you, if you, if, like you said, I just use the golden oak because it's the, it's, it seems to be one of the more popular ones. Uh, early American color is a little more brownish. Uh, it seems to be a pretty popular color uh, without going a, a walnut type color um you know but that's the thing like the darker you go the more obvious any kind of mistake is whether it's a glue or a scratch you know that you've left with the sandpaper it all shows a lot more the darker you go yeah and uh, don't be fooled by pre-finished floors because that's a whole different ball yep. game you know they can stain about anything that it, they can make popper look like right. oh yeah 
Well, uh, when you know, I mean, you think well, you, about it, you don't have a chance to do it, right? They're you know they're in a controlled setting, um, and, and some of those are even baked on, you know, the finishes. So they'll they'll be in an airtight room, uh, paint booth like you you'd see on TV to paint your car. You know, I mean, you know, they're they're in these, these perfect settings uh, where they can control everything and, and go in, and uh, a lot of times that's what they've done. Is it? I mean, they call it stain, but essentially they've painted on. Uh, yeah, some stuff, and and you can sand uh, those. Th- if it's a three quarter product, you can yep. sand it twice. Right. If it's a three eighth, you can do it once. The the, it, the uh, it, generally speaking, lightly. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it goes back to who installed it and how it was installed. Uh, if they set their nails correctly, you're good. To engineered go. lumber is what right. I'm, I'm yep. getting at. The engineered, yeah, it's it, a lot more stable, but it's a lot more expensive. It all again, it goes back to what the wear layer is on on it and. Uh, how rough the floor is, you know. I mean, if if you can not have to sand a whole lot of depth out to get scratches and stuff, then then obviously you're the better off you are. Um, when I get to an older floor and an older house, you know, I'll usually tell them, look, there's always that chance that you're wearing that you're going to sand through that wear layer and you're going to start having nails showing. Correct. Uh, you know, and, and that's kind of the um, it's a catch twenty two. You know, but it's kind of usually the best of of two evils in a sense, you know, because you want the floor to look good. Um, obviously you don't want the nails to pop, to, to pop through, but, uh, generally speaking, they're, they're less obvious and, and, and uh, than a big deep scratch or a ruin, you know, staples have saved a lot of floors now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one thing I want to tell y'all, regardless, as long as it always says cabin grade on it, even though it has, says it has a warranty, as long as it says cabin grade, there is no yeah. warranty on it. Yeah, well, cabin grades typically that they just put a fancy little title on it. It's really a number two or a number three. Yeah, uh, grade wise, and they just it sounds cooler to buy a rustic look or a cabin look and uh, than a number three, number two, because nobody nobody would buy it then. Yeah, well, um, I don't know. Because well, I, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's just a fancy little name they've put onto it. So uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I've done many a feet, but typically it's going to be smaller pieces, and you're going to have a lot more knots and a lot more color variations into it Correct. Uh, than you would. And it depends on where you get it from. I've gotten some of those that weren't milled the best. Uh, the, when you when you put them on the butt ends, yes, they'd they be like straight. a one degree or two degrees. Not even that. Yeah. Just a half uh, just, a degree. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had some, and you put them on, and it, uh, they just don't quite line up and right. And then you get frustrated, and then your homeowner goes, well, I thought this was a better grade. Well, you're the one that bought the cabin grade. Yeah. I didn't buy the grade. Yeah. Lots of wood filler. Wood filler is your friend. Well, yeah, but you can't wood fill pre-finished. Not on pre-finished, no. Yeah. No. That's why I'm a sanded finished kind of guy. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I, you know what? I prefer it. Personally, I prefer it. Uh, you know, the longevity is a, a lot better. Like I said, it, to me, it, it, it kind of goes down to, to uh, what do you want a floor made of a hundred different pieces of wood or do you want a hundred pieces of wood to make one floor and the difference is the way you have to do pre-finish is you're going to see those boards every board is going to be an individual board put together whereas when you sand and finish it for the most part it's going to look like one even floor correct but anyway it's all personal preference that's it all about home construction thanks for listening to us and we'll be back next week we'll see you then good week That's it. Enjoy. See you later.
Thank you for listening to All About Home Construction on the podcast. We record this live every Saturday on AM 1450 and FM 96.5 WATA in Boone, North Carolina. You can become a supporter by supporting this with a small monthly donation, and that'll help sustain future episodes. You can do that for as little as 99 cents a month. And that'll go a long way to help our show do that. You get your name or your company name included in our advertisements. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time.